Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight, bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. show we're joined by Nikki Allen and Nikki is a psychic medium, famous author, freelance magazine writer and an angel communicator. So hello to Nikki. Hello, I wouldn't know, I don't know about famous darling. Well, I hope no. so one day. <laughs> no, you are. It's popping up all over my social media. You've sold out twice on Amazon, famous, best-selling. And I know and it's gone to number one in my genre. I can't believe it. Mind you, I can because the angels like was get it out, it will work. And I'm like, no, it won't. Yes, it will. So after a domestic with the angels, <laughs> I thought, oh my God, I better put it out. <laughs> you have to, don't you? That You just get a spiritual slap otherwise, I find. They will not leave you alone, will they? Until you do what they know is right. Even if you're kicking and screaming, you're like, it's not going to happen. It's not. And then how they laugh when it does happen. <laughs> Everything goes brilliantly. And you're like, yeah, whatever. Whatevs. <laughs> But I'm with the angels, as much as I love you, I'm going to side with the angels because I absolutely loved your book. So your Thank book, you so much. Oh, no, I, I did love it. And I'm going to tell you why. <laughs> so yeah. it's called Emmy, Myself and I, Diary of a Psychic, which I love. Love a play on words, love a pun. Yeah. So it's your journey of Emmy, Fibromyalgia, but so much more as well. Yeah. And I loved it. It was like, obviously, I loved it because it had positive changes in it. <laughs> yeah, of course. But with the true story of positive changes it was like the raw diary entries in there and then these dollops of spirituality it was like an a to z of spirituality and I absolutely loved it thank you so much I was worried to begin with because I'm crossing genres you know because you normally when you know when you're doing books or what genre are you in and I'm like well it's self-help it's memoir it's also spiritual so it was all these different genres and obviously when you speak to the publishers or you send it out they're like oh yes well it's crossing genres I'm like so that makes it unique doesn't it and I th- and that feedback has come back a hundredfold where people say oh my god it's so different so it's not only your journey in a specific time slot you've also got the spiritual element the self-help element and the fact that anybody you don't even have to have chronic illness anybody that's been in any darkness will get something from this book you know and I honestly never for a million years you know just a minute ago we were just chatting before this and I'm sitting there and I just really connect to you and I'm thinking my god I'm blessed and if you had told me that you know seven years ago whatever I'm going yeah whatever I'm just gonna <laughs> rot in my bed forever I'm thinking suicide <laughs> and now I'm talking to all these most beautiful people you're the first one in the UK actually so I'm actually I? talking during a normal time yeah most of them are US and Canada so I'm like 11 o'clock at night type thing going oh yes hello <laughs> feeling awfully English <laughs> and I say things because the worst thing is you know you just said it's a great play on the book um M.A. or the pun yeah uh, but in America it's like flat on its face because they call it CFS <laughs> so the oh. first thing one of the first interviews said what's M.E. and I'm like oh my god that's just totally ruined my title in the U.S. Yeah. <laughs> that took me three weeks to come up with that Shelley loved it. What's the matter with you? Do you know what? It just popped in my head as it is in the book. I was sitting in the car park, so emotional, watching everybody play on the beach. And the the sea was just like, you know, abroad. It was stunning. And then it just popped in there. 
me myself and I, and I thought, oh my God, that's what the title's got to be. So they pretty much, you know, I can't really take any credit apart from just typing it. Because <laughs> they were just telling me what to write, telling me what the title was, dropping the graphic designer, Verity Rock, who's amazing, in my lap and said, I'll do your book cover. It just literally flowed. And that's another thing that we need to take from this is when you take any project on, anybody listening, if you take any project, any goal, anything you want to go for, if it flows and you have to make no effort whatsoever, then the universe has got your back and it's supposed to be doing what it's doing. If it just keeps going wrong and you're fighting and fighting and fighting to get something, then sometimes that means the universe is saying, no, no it's poor timing. You know, so I knew that as soon as it went straight out and the publisher within, I think it was a week, said, yep, we'll have it. I was like, wow, okay then. And then the rest has just gone. <laughs> so it's angel led. But then, you know, I live in abundance now. It's really weird because I remember beginning of the year, because of my limbs working, I, I, I couldn't have a manual car anymore because my arms were killing me, my foot on the clutch, I was getting muscle spasms, and, and I thought, this is ridiculous. And it was leaking as well, to be fair. So that was another reason. <laughs> there was stuff coming through the roof. And I just thought, I haven't got any credit, though. How can I do this? And I just knew that I'd be okay. And so I said, right, all I want is an upgraded version of my car. Can you just, I need an automatic. Please help me, angels. And literally, within an hour, I'd bought a car and got credit for it. And it's oh, like, wow. wow. You know, so things just flow and this is what I want to try and share with people that all they've got to do is surrender to whatever's going on you know let go of their past and then have this self-love and the fact that they deserve abundance and it really does work it's not magical you know I've read so many books where they go this is how you can change your life and you have to do like shed loads of stuff didn't you like really yeah. especially if you're tired you're like no I don't think so <laughs> Whereas mine's really simple, just changing mindsets, changing your thought processes so they don't lead to emotion and behavior. And it's really simple. It really is. It's not hard work. You don't have to sit there ooming it out, you know, and working hard. It's just going with the flow and letting them in. Let them in and they will show you the miracles that they showed me. It's that simple. And, you know, the other thing is, is that, you know, I was worried that people would think, oh, yeah, well, you're already spiritual. You know, of course, it's going to happen for you. I was not, though. As it, it quite clearly says in the book, I was effing and blinding the whole time, raging at them, feeling forsaken, abandoned. I hated them. I'd lost all my faith. Yeah. So they had to drag me back into getting my faith and believing in them. And I didn't. You know, so that's what I love about it is that I just didn't want to play with them. I did not want to play at all. <laughs> at the right ump. <laughs> I loved your book. It just made me laugh so much like you're making me laugh now because bless you. You know, like when you go through something in life and like people come on, they share their positive change. And I could relate to your life as I relate to mine. Like you think you hit rock bottom and then you're like, oh my God, it's got a basement and you just keep falling. <laughs> Mine had sub-basement one, yeah. sub-basement two. And I'm like, how far are you going to take me? I want a lingerie. I want a holiday basement. I don't want bloody sub-basement 659. <laughs> but it was just one thing after another, wasn't it? Yeah. And do you know what? I actually, I remember visualising back then when, when they first started the spiritual boot camp. Um, that obviously I talk about in me, myself and I, and I, I envisaged me sitting, talking about the book and laughing about the state I was in. That was one of my things. <laughs> oh, yes, it was really bad. And I thought, God, is that ever going to happen? Is it ever going to happen? Because it literally was, it, and this is why I think 
I'm such, not a pioneer, but it wasn't just one thing. You know, some people say, oh, you know, I was going through a divorce and, or I lost my home or I lost my job. I lost everything that anybody could hold dear on a material value, as well as my health, my friends, my life, everything just went bang, gone. And so I'm really glad I was stripped bare because it can also show that no matter how much of a bottom you reach, you can always get back up to the top again, you know? And I'm absolutely grateful. I know it sounds weird because I've obviously still got the condition, but I'm so grateful that I had this, this situation, this accident, this illness, because now I'm the most confident. I love myself. I feel whole. And I don't feel like I've got an armor anymore. You know, as from my YouTube videos, I just sit in my PJs and talk a load of old <laughs> spiritual stuff in my makeup. I have a brush Look, can you see I've made an effort today, Shelley? I hope you oh, appreciate I'm, it. I'm blushing. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's interesting what you say. So you, in the book, you say that you had this accident. So I asked like the audience of Shelley F. Knight what it was. Mm. And there are, you know, sometimes you think there'd be a massive variety of what triggered their fibromyalgia or ME. Yeah. And there's not, there's only a few things that they all had like in relation to each other. So it seemed that they thought that their condition was triggered by a physical trauma. Yeah. Somebody fell down the stairs. Someone else had a car accident. So physical trauma, emotional trauma. Yeah. Overworking or over-exercising after a virus. Yeah. Sexually abused as a child. I'm taking all of these at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> She write book two, uh, life changing event, which wasn't always a physical. It was like dad being diagnosed with terminal illness, bitter divorce, looking after ill children, being a single mum, being a sole oh, carer for yeah. loved one, or striving for perfection. So there wasn't a great variation apart from my mother, Nikki. I'm just going to read out my mother's one. This is a yeah. classic. Anyone that knows my mum will be like, yes, that's very Lynette. <laughs> Damaged DNA from our ancestors was my mother's answer. Oh, I need I to meet your mum. Oh, don't get her excited, profound. love. Yeah, this so, sounds very profound. Yeah, so <laughs> everyone, our ancestors. Yeah, everyone else. Something happened in this life. My mother, past life. <laughs> well, no, I, I can agree with that. Perhaps if it wasn't let go of in a previous life, you know, because really interesting that she's got quite a valid point there. I'm just going to say that because I know that she follows me, and I want to keep her yeah, in good books. Yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. Otherwise, your magazine but... will drop on it. You, you won't be. <laughs> The magazine sales will drop through the floor otherwise. But it's weird because when I met my guide, Khan, who I obviously, I introduced my three guides, I mean, myself and I, right? And when I, when I met him, he took me back to my previous life with him. And, um, I, and I was bound and by my feet and my ankles, raped and killed by a white man that took over our land in Arizona. And, um, so he then said to me, and it was such a revelation, he goes, and I broke both my wrists. I had, I've, the times that I've ripped my ankle, because I was very sporty. I know I don't look like it now, darling, but I was. <laughs> very sporty girl. And um, I ripped the ligaments in my ankle so many times, it was ridiculous. And he said, why do you think you've got weak ankles and wrists? And he goes, and why do you think you now look after murder and rape victims? Ooh. So it was almost like I was healing my previous life from being a family liaison officer in the police for rape and murder victim families. So I'm so sorry. Can you hear the dogs? Spine. Barking away. Bloody hell. They are so quiet. They were sleeping. <laughs> as soon as they know that I'm here with the lights on doing my thing, that's it. They wow. want the limelight. <laughs> 
See, I love all the past life thing. I actually was a past life regressionist. Maybe I still am. I just don't practice it. But oh, I was. Wow. Yeah. And um, just this is about my mum. Anyone tuning in, this is not purely about my mum. But um, my mum <laughs> killed me in a past life. She oh, was one wow. of those um, people. God. This is my long COVID brain coming in. But, you know, they used to hang you in the market square. Yeah. It was a person used to ugh, up thing yeah oh and she says shelly i don't think i'd have done that because i hate anything around my throat and i've had throat cancer i went that's why that's why that's why yeah oh my goodness yeah. do you know what, should i tell you my quick story about how no, I go love yeah my guy julianus this is incredible right because i'm an open-minded skeptic always have been <laughs> so i kind of look at the spirit world a bit like i did as a detective i need proof i need evidence yeah and so I remember when I got retired from the police service, that's when it all started. It all kicked off massively. The house was alive with spirit people, things exploding and God knows what. And they wanted me to work for them. Anyway, I was out in the garden and it was kind of half sleep, half meditation. And I found, and it was a really hot day. And I found myself freezing cold in this cave, water dripping down. I could smell the sulfur, really dark. And then suddenly the rock went, I thought it was Jesus. The rock went across. <laughs> Oh my God, no, that, that people are moan about that and say, so no, I'm not. I'm not being anti-religious at all. But anyway, the rock opened and this man said, come out here. And I recognised him as this scruffy bloke. Now you might know this because none of the people in the US know. Joe Steptoe. Yes. The, right, Steptoe and Son. Right, Harold. That yes. One. Is it like him? Like, I didn't get some gorgeous Robert De Niro look up. Do you know what I'm like? Oh my God, I recognise you. I've been seeing him since I was a kid in my dreams and stuff. <laughs> And I just used to think, ew, scruffy old man in a brown habit. Yeah, no. <laughs> and um, so, but I looked into his eyes and I knew him. And he said, this is where we met. And this is how I connect with you as your guide. And I said, where are we? And as we walked out, it was red hot, cypress trees. And he said, we're in Trastevere, Rome, 1452. I'm like, right, okay. And I'm thinking, remember that for Google. Remember yeah. that for Google. <laughs> and so he then, um, we th then flashes and we end up in this square in this courtyard and there's these like pillars and there's a church that said St Cecilia's and he said in 1452 you were welcomed into the house of Mary, Mary Magdalena and he goes and your name was Mary I went right okay and I thought I don't know what he means by you've been welcomed I thought fair play so we walk through these columns and there was this beautiful fountain and then it goes through to the chapel and then there's the quarters where the nuns are and all the rest of it and then we stood in front of a crypt and then this bloke comes up and says, I'm Nicholas. And then he put a five up in my head, Nicholas V. And he kissed my forehead and he said, I presided over you during this time. And then they said, come, let's make haste. Ava Mary's upon us looking up at the sky. And then it ended. And I'm like, oh my God. So I'm trying to Google it and things keep coming up. But then when I hit on them, it says page not found. And I was getting so frustrated. And I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I bought a ticket to Rome. Oh, wow. <clears throat> so I thought, if I'm going to tell thousands, hundreds, whatever, of people about my experiences, I need to back it up, right? So I got a ticket, went to Rome, just threw all my stuff in the hotel room, got in a taxi and said, take me to St. Cecilia's Church in Trastevere. He went to see, right? And I thought, oh, hang on a minute. Drove me there and I started crying. He thought I was a nutter. <laughs> and I was sitting in the square with the columns below St. Cecilia's Church. And as you look through the columns, I could see the ruin of the fountain right in the courtyard. I couldn't believe it. I found a bust of Julianus and I found out that in 1452, nuns were allowed to then live in the house of Mary Magdalena on site. The women were allowed in in 1452. And I found out that we were San Franciscan nuns and monks and you had to do um, a sabbatical in a cave 
to find yourself and purify yourself. Oh. And then you, they'd open up and say, right, you've, you've done your thing. So I'm like, wow, this is amazing. So then I thought <laughs> Vatican because of Pope Nicholas V. So I'm running to the Vatican. I don't know if you've ever been there. There's, mm. there's tens of thousands of people there, right? And so I go up to this guide and I get a bit leery with him. So I said, where's Pope Nicholas V's crypt? He goes, no, madam, no, madam. And I said, yes, where is it? He goes, no. And I went, oh, forget it. And I was really rude to him. I thought, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I was like this banshee, right? <laughs> and I just march across these thousands of people and I find this tiny little door, this cement doorway, and I walk straight into it. Second crypt on the right, I am laying over it, crying my eyes out crying my eyes out like it was a family member to the effect that some nuns come up and said are you okay and sat me down and then should we get an ambulance should we get and I'm like no no it's all right I'm just a nutter who's just coming back from previous life so after they left me and like got me a glass of water and everything I walked over to the crypt and it was Pope Nicholas V who presided over the diocese of Trastevere in St Cecilia's in 1452. Couldn't believe it smashed down so when I came out um after crying my eyes out and being a complete nutter the guy <laughs> found me he found me he goes you're a very special lady he said how, he goes none no, it's not in the guidebooks how did you know about this and I said I thought I'm not going to start telling him he goes I spoke to an old superintendent here and he said that yes it is here but it's not in the guidebooks for some reason and it ended up him taking me around to the private quarters right with this armed okay. guard and they got me um, holy water from the Pope's private font. Good. And I healed my dog's tumour with one of those. Yeah. I healed my dog's tumour with the holy water. <clears throat> Mina. It's incredible. So, yes, I now know that 100% we have previous lives. I know 100% that our guides connect with us. And I just need to now, Arizona now, because Catherine, she's from Cornwall. But um, that's that, you know, I just live near Cornwall, so that's no great shakes. However, <laughs> Khan is from Arizona, so that's a good excuse to get to Arizona and find out where I was there. Keep doing those you know, book sales. Hey, yeah, exactly. I'd be like throwing them out everywhere, like confetti. <laughs> hey, have some of this, have some of this. Read about me, read about me. <laughs> so, yeah, there's my story for guides. Bless you. Wow. Mm. <laughs> it's a big wow, isn't it? Yeah. Because so you're thinking fortune, though. Let's go over there. <laughs> Priceless, love, priceless. <laughs> mm. Definitely, definitely. So in your book, I know you talk about you guys a bit, but in your book, you sort of take us from, you start when you're still in the police force, don't you? Yeah. And you're sort of living life, I think you say burning the candles at both ends. Never oh understood that God, saying. yes. <clears throat> Do you think that was the trigger of like your illness there, that sort of like doing it all? Or was it another event? Could you I, I think... Obviously, the trauma I had as a child, you know, with my dad passing, <clears throat> trust me to get a weak throat now. <laughs> <clears> throat> my dad passing, um, obviously, I then had the abusive years, but I did get glandular fever right. when I was a teenager. And I'm just wondering if that was the beginning of it. But I think that I tired myself out so much trying to be someone that I wasn't, trying to hide all the pain and the hurt and the contempt for myself. I think I exhausted myself, you know, throughout that time. Um, obviously, I had a complete breakdown when I got retired from the police service because that was just really unfair and I, and I was just literally left. You know, as soon as you're retired, nobody really cares about you. You're just a non-entity and they were my family. 
yeah. and the police you know you you play hard you work hard you know and to suddenly be cut away from that I was really resentful so that was my first kind of breakdown um, and I just think that the accident was a straw that broke the camel's back that just smashed it into right that is it now you're closing down you can't take anymore um, and literally I got into the hospital um, the paramedics had to get me out on gas and air and I got into the hospital and I thought, my God, I've, I've broken bones. I've just like, I just could imagine loads of problems going on internally. And then when they come back and said, oh, it's all clear. You've only got soft tissue damage. I'm like, what? Because they were pumping me with morphine. So I was up on the ceiling. I was in agonizing pain. Um, and they said, no, you know, it's just shock and soft tissue damage. And then I got back home. Well, I was renting a place down here in Devon. And I remember going to sleep. And I just slept a whole day and night. Woke up and it was... Um, I think it was an early evening, still light. And I looked up to the light and my eyes, oh my goodness, it was like someone had just stabbed my eyes with hot pokers. The light burnt through me and I just had to close my eyes. And then I realised that my whole body was just felt heavy, in agonising pain. And I went to get up and I just fell on the floor, just like a sack of spuds. So I just hit the floor. I thought, this isn't right. They've missed something really serious here. And then my friend was there and Dick. Do you like him? I called him Dick. I love, I love it when you're in a relationship, Nick and Dick. It oh sounds like a match made in heaven. I oh, know, Nick and Dick. <coughs> like a match made in heaven. Oh it wasn't. God. Oh, no. it was horrific. It was the biggest mistake in my life, but then hey ho. And they had to lift me to the toilet and hold me on the toilet. And it was just, what the hell's going on? And then I just slept and slept and slept. I felt so depressed. I couldn't see, I couldn't understand what people were telling me. They put a telly in the room and I couldn't understand the words. I didn't know what they were saying. I couldn't take it. It was just like, I was absolutely terrified. I ended up going back to A&E. And again, they couldn't find anything wrong. They just put it down to shock. But then that led to a plethora of tests and it took a year for me to be diagnosed. And basically it's a process of elimination because you'll find that people with ME, CFS, um, fibromyalgia, they all are as healthy as, fit as a flea, fit as a flea on paper. You may have a bit of deficiency with vitamin D, you may have iron deficiency, there may be a problem with vitamin B um, levels. Apart from that, absolutely no, no other clues whatsoever. And so once they've exhausted every possible way forward, they just give you that label, send you on your way with a plethora of bloody painkillers and God knows what, and just say, get on with it. That's it. That's all you get. Um, there was an M when I finally started, decided to reach out. And it, again, it's in the book. <clears throat> I finally decided to reach out and I got struck off because I was too ill to attend. Go figure. I managed to get to the pain clinic and he told me that I had to do Tai Chi. I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. Okay. You know, I was wheelchair bound. And I was, I, most of the time, I just put a jumper over my pajamas because I couldn't dress myself. And I got someone to drive me there. And I was just an absolute wreck. And he looked at me and goes, what, you're not even going to try it? I said, oh, I said, you, you've got no clue about ME, have you? Or chronic fatigue syndrome. I said, what the hell are you talking about? I can't even hold a fork. How am I going to raise my arms and start doing Tai Chi and be some la person? <laughs> I got really angry and upset with him. I was a very, very angry person at the time. Very angry. Um, and I just went, you know what, forget it. And he goes, what, you don't want to come back? He goes, you're refusing to come back. I said, no, I'm not refusing, but you're not offering anything that will help us. I said, I asked you about hydrotherapy. And you said, oh, no, that's just for people getting over accidents. I said, what? That would be perfect for ME sufferers. 
and fibromyalgia sufferers to be in a warm swimming pool just moving our limbs. No, no, we don't offer that. And the only other option was the MS Centre, who were brilliant in Exeter, here where I live in Devon, and um, they said, by all means, you're welcome to come to the hyperbaric chamber and any services we provide, but it was 40 minutes away, 50 minutes away. Who's yeah. going to drive me every day? You know, plus it would be too exhausting to get there and back. You'd end up sleeping, wouldn't you? Yeah. And so really, we are definitely, you know, the, 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 I think it, was, it started over in America, the millions missing, and it's absolutely yeah. true. Because you're just left, and you know, you just said earlier about a single mum. How the hell? I get so many emails from parents that have got it, and their husbands leave them because they think they're just being lazy, and they're left with children. There's one lady; she's got three handicapped children, and she's coping with ME and fibromyalgia. I'm like, how the hell are you doing it? How are you doing it? And she said, I've got no choice. I've got to drag myself. So it's a living death. These poor people, you know, dragging themselves through their lives without any help. Um, and so if we can change, if we can't change the condition, we can at least change our mindset and try all the various holistic therapies because some of them do help. You know, bone therapy was a good one and so was acupuncture. And obviously the LDN has helped me massively. The LDN is why I can sit here now and talk to you, you know. Um, and so there are things you can try. So I love the people that go, yep, give me that, I'll have a go. Not the ones that go, oh, I'm not very well, but no, I don't want to try that. You've got to be a trier. You've got yeah. to try anything because you might find that, you know, not having gluten, taking dairy out of your diet, restricting sugar, stopping alcohol. Me stopping alcohol. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> my friends in the place, right, knew me as a party girl. I drank like a fish. <laughs> now I'll have one glass. <clears throat> I think the last time I had a drink was when I was on holiday. And I think it was a, gin and tonic that was it and then I had a glass of wine around my other half's family's place the other day that's it I've drunk about twice in a year <laughs> because no, I don't want to totally, you see so I'm already there <laughs> there you go good girl. I am to be honest with you I am it's just now and then I might have yeah. a sip of one but it's it just might you know you, you the good thing about this is, is you start listening to your body yeah. your intuition gets so strong that your body doesn't want that it's like recently I have been obsessed with eating honey is it My the body needs honey. <laughs> uh, yeah, really weird. So I'm like, well, okay. So listen to my body. So I'm having like honey on bread and honey on bananas and God knows what. It wants honey. So I think, right, you have honey then. And it obviously says I want chocolate. And I go, yeah. oh, course, you have to have chocolate. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I have that. You need a cup of tea. You need a muffin, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it was incredible how my body, and they said this, so I remember them saying that lots of things are going to change with your body. My body literally spat out, and I mean both ends, anything that wasn't <laughs> wrong with it. So caffeine went out. And I used to be a big tea drinker, tea out. Never really drank coffee. I now love coffee. The whole brain concept, I don't know if it is to do with the neurosymptoms, it changes all of your tastes. Yeah. But... I, I can't cup of tea. Oh, no, so I drink herbal tea now. I'm a herbal tea drinker, baby. Yeah, I've got a herbal and, tea with me today. Yeah, yeah. I can't caffeine. I think if I had a sip of caffeine, I'd be on the floor. There's, I just don't have caffeine. No, can't go near it. <laughs> so I'm pleased that I now respect what's going in as well. Um, you know, in respect of what you eat and what you consume, as well as what I expose myself to. So. I've now got the courage as well to think, I don't really like that person. I don't want to be in their company. I choose not to. And when you start owning that, when you start owning the fact that you deserve to be around lovely people that are genuine, that's what you attract. 
So all of my friends now, the most magnificent, beautiful, honest, loyal, kindest friends you could possibly imagine. And a couple of those, you know, three of those are from my police days. Yeah. You know, I've known for 30 years that are just there. And they're all spiritual now as well. I love it. One's an angel Reiki master. The other one's an animal Reiki master. I love it. <laughs> they're like turned into gurus. I'm like, well, you can't be my friend unless you're spiritual. I'm only joking. <laughs> but they've found their path as well, you know. And so it's just a beautiful life to be in. And I never imagined, I'd never felt like this before the accident, even though, you know, Colin Fried asked me to go and work with him and him to manage me and everything. And I literally ticked off every box that a medium would want to do, you know, do the stage work, the TV, yeah. not in a, not in a, an egotistical way, but to just get there and say, I know what I'm doing. Listen to me. Yeah. There's so many plums out there. <laughs> really, there are though, aren't they? Just think, really? Jesus. And so I really thought, that's it. I'm here now. I've got a platform where people will listen and I can help people. It's all I care about is helping people. I don't know why my nose is itching. It's not when spirit about. Yeah. Cobwebs, isn't it? That yeah, yeah. I've got it over my nose. I think it might be my dad. I'm not sure. I'm trying to work out. Who it... No, I think it's my nan. Yeah, I can smell her. Hello, nanny. Let's see, I can smell her. <laughs> anyway, sorry about that. I just um, hope she smells nice, like a talcum powder kind of smell, not weed. No, I know. You can't have a weed, can you? Oh, no. no. She is a bit of a mothball-y mixed with talcum powder smell. Yeah. You know that bit of a stain That is nan smell. Mixed with, that's Nan, yeah, that's her yeah. smell. There's a bit of citrusy smell coming in as well. That's weird. I can't even see her. Oh, well, it's because I'm doing this. I can't see her properly. I can just smell her. I love you, Nanny. Anyway, um, <laughs> you guys become to be nose there. What's going on then? <laughs> What's this thing called a podcast? Is it like the wireless? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, then, do you know, it's like when she came, as, it, as I mentioned, when she came and said, go on Facebook, I thought, Jesus, you've come all this way through the ether to tell me to go on Facebook. <laughs> and then she just toddles off through the wall. It's the same man. And um, yeah, she was the one that got me on the LDN, bless her. Perhaps she's here because of that. I've had so many synchronicities recently. I just found a penny in the car. Um, and it was definitely, I don't have change. There's no way a penny could be in the middle of the car seat. And it, it arrived just as I got off the beach. I put it on YouTube actually on my channel. And it was 2010. And that's when I first start setting the scene of the book. Oh. It's almost like they're saying, well done, darling, you know? Um, and then Quite I found- literally a, the pennies dropped. <laughs> yeah. And then I found the next one was 2012 in my bed. Oh. Random. Yeah, random. And um, yeah, 2012. And that's obviously when it all kicked off and when the accident happened. So I'm like, thank you. And then my bee keeps going past, which I know is my mum now. I get, even now, this time of year, I keep seeing the bee fly past. I'm waiting for it today. It normally does it every single day. So that's something. Yeah, that's lovely. It's just lovely to know you're spiritually supported. And this is what people need to know is you're not alone. It doesn't matter what your belief system is. Yeah. It doesn't matter, you know, what you think of angel realms or spirit people. Just surrender and give it a go. But how can it hurt? And that's what I put in the book, don't I? Yeah. Can it really hurt for you to just say, well, if you're there, can you help me? And they will. Yeah. Incredible. I didn't, I honestly... I honestly didn't imagine they could pull off what they did to lose my debt. You know, that was 65 grand to look, to get that sorted within a day because of Archangel, someone called Raguel turned up <laughs> and Raguel. I'm like, I've never heard of you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Have you and got a more famous mate? <laughs> <laughs> and then I Google it 
and he's an archangel of balance and getting things sorted and debt. And I'm like, okay, I'll have a go at that and got rid of it. Hang on, I digressed. Yeah. So when we go back to the police, when I was with Polly, <laughs> I'm a bloody nightmare, aren't I? Obviously, you know, I ticked all the boxes I wanted to do then. And then I was on the top of the top of my industry. Everybody wanted to do things. I was having offers for all sorts of TV stuff, book deals and all the rest of it. And then bang, it all went. What was the whole point of me saying about that? Can you remember? <laughs> My Alger, I'm here with long COVID trying to be de- half decent. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, God, I can't remember what I was talking about now. I just remember standing on stage with Colin Fry and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going somewhere with this. I can't bloody remember. <laughs> oh, well, I've got long COVID because I haven't got a clue either. I don't think it is long COVID, You're darling. Not. No. I really do think that you may unfortunately be one of our lot. Did Just I catch it from your book? <laughs> I hope and pray that it goes and that you're well. But if it doesn't, then I think you may be looking at this condition, darling. Oh. Did I catch it from your book? Yeah, I'm giving <laughs> it out to everybody because I'm oh, not yeah. doing it on my own. Yeah, I'm sick <laughs> of people walking around and having a life. <laughs> Those missing millions, you're a few short of the millions missing, so you thought you'd make a few more. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Have a few more over in here in the, in the, in the UK. Just to add 26,000 already. <laughs> Bless you. I think we were saying like, because we're saying like the positive changes, like most guests come on and they have one positive change, but you had the police force and your dad died. I think there was abuse in there and debt yeah. and your health and Nick and Dick. Don't forget Nick and Dick. That's the classic. <laughs> um, and then you got sort of, you know, your positive changes were like the miracles and the self-discovery and things yeah. like that. And then your nan came in because you said um, LDN, which is the low dose naltrexone. Trexone, yeah. Which I only know from my nursing days. We used to give it to people who'd try to take the life of opioids, like overdose, to the alcoholics. Right. So, with my really highly professional level of um, market research, asking Facebook followers, <laughs> I did ask that they're amazing because they're the ones, apart from my mother, sorry, mum, but you were out there with your DNA, but they were the ones that were saying it was abuse, just feeling tired, you know, time for a perfectionism things like that they mm. were the ones i said to him have you ever heard of ldn this low dose naltrexone no one i know do you mean and i've got over like Justin. well i think you were my 1.4 follower weren't you you, you made me up to 1400 you were my 100 thank you lovely i'll so share your page people. darling because it's brilliant oh thank you but out of like 1.4 thousand people no one has heard of it terrible and I'm like, and it's so dirty cheap, isn't it? That's why the NHS use it. But um, it's yeah, so it's, cheap. It's, it's, it's a non-profit drug. That's why they won't use it. What happened was, is the, the man who created it, he was, it was also used, um, it was the first drug base for people to um, live with HIV as well. Because right. it's an opiate drug, a slow-release opiate drug. It basically was used for that as well as people with um, opiate issues such as alcoholism and all that kind of stuff. And so his wife had ME. I'm um, sorry, MS. And so I thought, I wonder with all, cause it's got, obviously it deals with neuro, it deals with everything, pain and God knows what. So I wonder if a smaller dosage would work and help my wife. And it did. And she started living a normal life. Um, but the thing is he didn't want it to go through the FDA because he knew mm. <clears throat> from my, my perception from reading about him and watching the videos on the, on the website 
but he didn't want it to go out to pharmaceutical companies because they would whack a hefty price on it because yeah. it's so effective. So the problem with that is he kicked himself in the foot because it didn't go through the FDA. So it's, it's, it's known as a red label drug. And the only reason I know about it is because my nan told me about it, um, <laughs> as I would never have known. And it's a postcode lottery because where I used to live, when I was in my cemetery house, um, oh, I after I was that. homeless... In my cemetery house. Did you see the photos on my Facebook page? Yeah, and I just thought, really cute. Well, I couldn't do it. It's got four kids, a dog, and a husband. Too many crystals. Oh. I, could, I couldn't physically fit in, but I just thought, oh, I'd love to live there. You could. Yeah. It was three. Well, it's three bedrooms. Oh no, you got too many kids. So yeah. anyway, um, I went to my uh, my first doctor. Was absolutely disgusting. I think I mentioned in the book about it where she just said, it was not as if you're disabled, you know, you haven't got a broken arm, broken leg, why don't you just get yourself together and start working again? She was literally talking to me like a piece oh, of crap. Yeah. And I just, now I would go, how dare you? I'm going to the practice manager now. But then I was just a mess and I just ended up crying, snatched my um, prescription of more mind-numbing, zombifying drugs. I was taking up to 38 tablets a day um pumping myself with morphine um and I thought no and then about I can't remember when it was it's a bit of a, a haze but I remember thinking no I've got to phone up I think one of the angel realms or my guide had pushed me to phone him again and I asked for a different doctor he was magnificent Dr Bromwich at Gampton surgery for those people in the bay that might listen and <laughs> he, he immediately prescribed it and he goes you know it's not a problem I prescribe it for MS patients yet he knew all about it thought it was a brilliant drug so I had it for free and then obviously when I managed to get my house in Somerset, which I needed to make money to come back here, you'll find out about it in the book. Um, <laughs> they wouldn't give it to me. Never heard of it. Not giving it to you. Doctors where I was in Somerset were rubbish again. But thank the heavens, my doctors where I am now in my surgery are amazing. However, they still have um, the code that they will not prescribe this. So I have to get it privately. And as you say, it's really cheap. It's £20 a month. That is yeah. priceless. I'd pay £100 a month, you know, to just be able to get up and function. Um, and it, it's, it's basically compounded in a clinic in Glasgow. You phone the doctor up there and say, right, I've been diagnosed with ME fibro, MS, Hashimoto's, lupus, cancer. It, co it, it literally covers so many serious chronic illnesses and potentially terminal illnesses. Um, and then they go, yep, okay, we'll, we'll get your uh, medical notes to show that obviously you have got this condition. And then bang, it, you get couriered every month on your door. I and it's just... It's, yeah. And, it's really it's, important. It's, and I'm glad I've mentioned it in the book because I, I think it's a disgrace. If there's something that works, why shouldn't it be available for people? So all of you, it's ldnresearch.org.uk. Um, give it a look. You know, what harm is it going to be? You, your doctor may prescribe it where you live. Um, but if not, 20 quid, really? That's nothing a month. If it's yeah. going to get you up and about, you know? Um, and my mum couldn't believe it. So I remember phoning going, I'm coming to see you. She goes, what? I said, I'm coming to see you. She goes, what do you mean? What, are you getting a bus? I said, no, I'm going to drive across to you. And it, I did suffer getting there. But the fact was, I could do it and get to my mum's. And that was mostly about a week after taking it. It's incredible stuff. Incredible stuff. So, you know, if you have got a chronic condition, even arthritis, chronic pain, anything, there is no harm in trying it. No side effects at all. You can come off it whenever you want. You just have to find the right dosage that suits you. And, and you're off and away. My brother's on it as well because um, he's got the same condition I have and he's a medium as well. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's a medium disease. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's quite interesting that you said that because, again, my extensive research, 
um, I haven't got a medium on my list, but there was only four different careers that people did that now have MA or fibromyalgia. And it was nurses. Nurses, yeah. Yeah, police force. Yeah. Counselors. Yes. Or like, as you say, like light workers, like holistic therapists. How interesting. I love your market research. Thank you, lovely. Thank you. Oh my God, that's, do you know what? It doesn't surprise me. If you said, guess what careers, because when I, I managed to go to one meeting at the ME clinic, which was absolutely, it's about as useful as a trap door in a canoe. It was just people <laughs> moaning and I ended up laying on the floor crying because I was in so much pain. Anyway, I looked around, all of the people were empaths or driven in their work, successful people or people that were cared for other people. And I think that I, I've got this theory, I'm sure I've shared it on my YouTube channel, I can't remember if I put it in the book or not, but I've got this theory that we have got such a high vibration within us because we're connected to obviously a divine energy and I don't think it mixes well with the heaviness of our body. Yeah. And even though Julianis explained to me that we have two parts of our style, there's a divine side, which I call, he calls the lion and mouse. Um, there's the mouse, um, which is the quiet voice that listens for divine inspiration. And then there's a lower part, which is our ego, the base chakra that helps us to, you know, um, maneuver ourselves around the earth plane and deal with our experiences we have. But I think because we're so top heavy with this divine energy, I don't think it sits well with yeah. the human body. And it's like almost encaging this spirit that's so light and so out there. And I just think we end up suffering because of it. And I think that's why we're so tired because our bodies can't maintain this high vibration we have. And even if you're not a light worker, look at, look at the jobs that you've just said. They're all empaths. They're all people yeah. that want to help. They're all giving their energy for the greater good. So they're most probably all light workers, whether they know it or not. Yeah. And I really do think, honestly, nearly every person I know who is a healer or a medium have got this condition. It's incredible. Yeah. Really so incredible. So, Yeah, because that's the careers, like nurse, police, counsellors, holistic therapists. But if you go back to when I said to the people that got in contact with me, like, how did it start, you think? And it was the physical trauma, like the car crashes, falling down the stairs and things like that. But a lot of them was strong perfectionism looking yep. after your children, being a single mum, sole carer for loved ones. So it is that still giving, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You're just sacrificing yourself for others. And this is, again, what I used to do. You know, we do have a tendency to people please when we have low self-esteem. Yeah. And I always had low self-esteem. That was knocked into me during my teenage years. And so I was always had an exceptionally low opinion of myself, but I hid it very well with my armour. And now um, I'm not selfish by any means at all. I still give and give and give as much as I can that my body will allow me to do. But there's times when you have to pull it back and start owning your boundaries. Mm. You know, so for instance, if I know I'm really tired, I, the phone's off. And some of my newer friends who I've met here, bless her heart, I'm going to say her name, Louise. She spoke to my other friend, Helen, and said, I don't think Nikki likes me because she won't pick the phone up. Which went, oh, I think you need to know a bit more about her, mate. She goes, you need to get her book. I got the book because I refuse to use any of my energy up. Whereas before I'd be like, oh my God, they won't like me. They'll think whatever. And I text them and say I'm sleeping or sometimes I don't even want to do that. It's too much. So I just shut off. And it's either a box set or it's sleep or it's meditation or it's listening to angel music and I, I, don't, I don't connect. And so the old me would find that selfish and I'd worry that people wouldn't like me for it. Now I'm owning it and saying, no, I need this now. And so I've never been so closely connected to 
myself in all my life, both in what I eat, what I drink, what I choose to do. And I love going to bed because, and this is another positive change that came about with it, is I can't wait to get into bed. And I think, right, what am I going to do tomorrow? And I plan two, three practical things that I have to get done or it will be, you know, preferential if I got it done. And one thing that's going to make me feel really happy, whether it's a walk on the beach, to cuddle with the dogs, a bath, whatever it is. And even if I don't achieve the three practical things I've planned to do, I've, at least I've tried and I've had the yeah. mindset to do it. And, and, and then don't beat yourself up if you don't do it. I, you know, it's, it's easy for me, I suppose, because I am, you know, I don't have children. I don't have anybody dependent on me. And I can't imagine how hard it is. However, all I would say to people like this, you've got to start reaching out and ask for help. And that was the hardest thing I had to do because I'm a survivor. Yeah. You know, I was this angry, feisty, I don't need anybody. <laughs> and now I'm a nightmare. Can you go and pick up my prescription, please, Helen? All right. And I'm, I'm quite happy now to say I need help. Whereas before, I would rather have cut my leg off than do that. <laughs> and so, I, you know, I get these emails from people who said, you've got to ask for help. And another one is, um, I know this sounds awful. I'm not going to say who it was. I've had a couple of these, actually, where they say, oh, my husband says I'm lazy and says, oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I've got to get myself together. And I said, you know what? What I'd say to your husband is, either you read out about my condition or get out. Yeah. That would be it. I would be just literally black and white. I can't have... You can't have people in your life questioning your condition. Yeah, my mum was a nightmare to begin with. <laughs> if, you, if you stay awake all day, you'll sleep at night. And if you like, have a bit of exercise, it'll loosen you up because it doesn't do you any good laying in bed all day. And I used to go, mum, for Christ's sake, listen to me. <laughs> Either watch a video on you. I'm not looking at any of that old stuff on there. I said, right, listen to And I used the times I used to have to tell her. And eventually she got it. Yeah. She got it and knew that I, when I needed to sleep, I just slept. And it was as simple as that. When, you know, I had um, an interview last week and I knew I could not get through it. So the old me would have been, oh my God, oh my God, come on, you just, just get, get a Red Bull, get a Red Bull. Come on, you can do this. Take loads of painkillers, you can get through it. And I just went, I'm sorry, I'm absolutely exhausted. My throat's weak. I can't do this. Done. Yeah. And it either happens again or it doesn't. Obviously, it's been booked in again for a couple of weeks, but it's owning it. And owning the people around you and saying, well, hang on a minute, this is my condition. If you don't like it, we've got a problem. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying start leaving your husbands and wives, but you can't <laughs> live in an environment like that. That's almost like a mental abusive environment. Yeah. You're being criticized for a condition, you know, that you have. And the problem is, this is why I love the fact the book's getting out everywhere because of the awareness side of it. Because there's so many people also have emailed saying, I can't believe what you went through. I can't believe it's such an awful condition. They just think you're a bit tired. As you said earlier, yuppie yeah. flu. Yeah. That's everybody thought, I'm oh, lazy. You know, they're just having a bit of sleep. They need to get themselves together. And I even thought it. I remember years ago, someone who came to one of my shows who had it. And I thought, well, get over it. Do you know what I mean? Just push yourself on, force yourself to do stuff. And I was really like that. Until you, it happens to you, you don't really know or care you know, about it. But I would say, if you, anybody's got friends or family that have got it, find out about it. Because we need people that are empathic for our situation and supportive of it. We do not need the extra stress of you judging us or giving us advice on what to do when you don't know anything about it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's and so that's what you need to do learn about this condition and do you know what i just know there are hundreds of thousands of people that just think they're getting older and they're a bit tired and they're a bit achy that are undiagnosed as well i think it's yeah. a, just a massive pandemic to be honest with you 
Um, and I'm glad that there's, I'm glad of Twitter and I'm glad of Instagram where people, the millions missing, you know, put their, their, their faces out there because there's a girl that, it, I cried my eyes out. She's been um, in bed since she was 10 and she had a 21st birthday on oxygen laying with Emmy and fibromyalgia, never left her bed. That's all she does is just lay in her bed because she physically can't get up or out and she's on oxygen. All she's doing is basically her energy is just keeping her alive and that's it. And that's the seriousness of this condition. And yet we can't get the drugs we deserve. It just doesn't make sense to me at all. It doesn't make sense to me, especially the people that can't afford it. You know, 20 quid to some people is a lot of money. Yeah. You know, um, and likewise, I encourage people to claim disability, get a, you know, get a blue badge. Because again, the problem is another thing that's happening without me getting on my soapbox, but I get so many people say that they're not giving me PIP. They're not giving me any benefits because they think I'm okay. Because there's a draconian system um, where you are rated if you're disabled or not. So how far can you walk? Well, I can't because I'm in pain and I'm, you know, I'm exhausted. No, but can you walk? Yeah, right. Well, you're not disabled then. Well, I can. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, oh, it's a nightmare because it's not, a, you know, a permanent disability, you know, because now I'm sitting here and I've got my makeup on and I'm dressed and I'm all full of energy. In an hour's time, I could be in bed completely not able to do a thing for the weekend. Yeah. And this is a problem with the condition. And we've just got to keep fighting, you know, speak to your local. I did. I spoke to my local MP. Speak to your local MPs and, and start fighting this and saying, I deserve to get disability um, benefits. I deserve to get a disabled badge. It's all about what you feel you deserve. So that's where it starts is self-love. Surrender to your situation, love yourself. And from that, you'll get the strength to say to people, don't want you in my life, do want you in my life. I do want to appeal my decision. I do want to do this or whatever, you know? Yeah. That's what it's all about. It's, and it's just, there's always positive change. You know, I yeah don't get me wrong I had a couple of days ago I was in so much pain and so exhausted I'd obviously overdone the interviews and I'm always on social media trying to get the book out there and I just slumped and I just had a bit of a cry and I thought my god come on just give me a break let me get through this and then I thought no hang on a minute this is going to lead to more emotion and a behavior so I put on um I can't remember what it was it made me laugh on the television um, lit, lit some candles, got me essential oils on, had a cuddle with my fur babies. I'm like, yeah, I'm happy again now. <laughs> so it's just nipping it, you know? It's yeah. getting the mindset out of your head before it starts taking you down to sub-basement 569. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so important, though, that because I know you've just shared how you went to a doctor, rubbish, then you went to another doctor, amazing. And I would, if anyone takes anyone think from today's talk, it would be if you don't get heard the first time just keep going John. I mean, you do matter Absolutely and it is right. I, I trust they all happen like even with me I know you've diagnosed me with ME today but the, <laughs> the doctor thinks it's long COVID <laughs> but I've been fighting pushing to be seen nobody would see me and it's been going on yeah. for 12 weeks it's only my boss at work she said like do you know what love you're getting worse not better yeah suddenly got actually it's the doctor that's seen not seen me because nobody sees you this year do they but um Mine do they? Oh no! So it's somebody that prescribed me a medicine that hadn't worked. But yesterday, it must be my fifth time saying, "Like seriously, I feel really ill." 
that they went, right, we're going to do everything. And I've been referred to everything. So if you don't get heard the first time, just keep fighting, pushing with that last bit of energy that you have in you. I I think so, because don't get me wrong. I was just a cribbling mess for five years. I was absolutely horrific. I can't, I, I, I keep reading my book and I cannot believe how bad I was and what I went through. I'm just a completely different person now. However, what I have also learned is a bit of the old detectives come back in me where it's like I phone up because I started getting a lot of um, cold sores because I was getting run down and a bloody mask. Do you know what I mean? Wearing yeah. a mask. And so it'd been going on for six weeks. One went, one come up and I'm like, for God's sake. And because you've got an old, obviously autoimmune systems a bit rubbish. I'm thinking this is just going to get worse. It started going inside my mouth. So I phoned up. And I say, and don't get me wrong though, they're brilliant, my surgery anyway. And what is it about these blinking um, secretaries, you know, that answer the phone, not secretaries. Oh, the receptionist, yeah. You have to have an arsehole degree to be there. (laughs) However, mine at the surgery are amazing. (laughs) So they say, well, do you need to see a doctor? I said, no, I don't need to see a doctor. I need him to phone back. I need antiviral drugs. I have a chronic condition and I really need this because... I have got no quality of life at the moment because I can't eat, I can't drink, and I want this now, please. So I am telling them. Yeah. What I used to do is, because they do, they make you feel like a hypochondriac. Yeah. I'd go and go, oh, my ME, and you could see their face go, oh, Christ, here we go. They are. They are a nightmare. A lot of doctors are like that, and it's disgusting. And they need a wake-up call, and they need educating on it, because it's such a, you know, if you just, just look at the, the logistics of it, full, or statistics, 45,000 sufferers of MS, 260,000 sufferers of ME and fibromyalgia. Why are we not getting a say in anything? Anyway, um, and so I used to go, oh, right, okay, yeah, well, we'll have this, this will work, and I'm like, okay. And then now, I'm like, well, no, I'm not having that. I'm like, I don't want any more medication. You need to sort something else out with yeah. me. You know, and I and they go, okay, no problem. And I even I even got a text message. <laughs> it's on one of my YouTube channels. So I went, oh, hang on a minute. I was doing an angel card reading. I'm like, hang on a minute. I was just my doctor texting. She's like, oh, I hope that everything okay. If you need anything, just phone. Thank you, doctor. They're bloody brilliant. <laughs> I think it's because you've got to own it. And again, it goes down to this self-love thing. What do I deserve? I deserve a doctor to listen to me. I deserve to have every text under the sun. Yeah. You know, and so when I when I went in there, I said, "Look, this is cold sore thing," and obviously that I think I spoke to you about thinking HRT and God knows yeah. what. Yeah. And I'm like, right, do it all, okay, okay. And all the tests are done, and I was sorted within two days. You know, you've yeah. got to push yourself, and I and don't get me wrong, when you are how I was, and I'm and still am on various days, you you just can't even cope with making the call to the doctors. I get it. But as you said, if it's the one last bit of energy you've got, make yourself be heard with your GPs. Make yourself be heard with your MPs. Apply for your benefits. And if you don't get it, go to the newspapers. Kick off. Because I'm telling you now, they, are, they treat you disgustingly. I, I was with a friend who went for a tribunal for PIP, personal independence payment, because he was a very successful landscape gardener. In fact, it's Jay, the one who's in my book. Oh. My friend Jay. And he was broken he, because he, he lost his job. He's literally laying indoors and he's got it as well. And it is really horrific. He's really suffering badly with it. And men find it a lot harder because obviously, you know, they're supposed to be the provider and they're supposed to be someone that can get on, but he's just been wiped out by it horrifically. And I just, my heart goes out to him because it's exactly how I was. And well, I remember pushing him into the tribunal and I've never seen anything like it in my life, Shelley. Honestly, they sat there like, well, you can walk, can't you? 
Well, no, I can't. no, you can walk, can't you? And then the GP on the tribunal said, have you done the GET um, therapy? Now, GET is graded exercise therapy. This is, a, again, draconian, old-fashioned way that they thought would help people with ME, which is do five minutes walk, then 10 minutes walk, and then 15, and gradually make your exercise get bigger. And I tried it, it killed me. Yeah. And it's been smashed to pieces by health authorities, doctors, specialists, don't do it. And this man right, who should know this, that it doesn't work for us. So we haven't even done get, so I don't even know what we're sitting here for if you don't want to try to get better. So I stood up and went, excuse me, I said, I don't know what, what um, century you come from. <laughs> get has been completely eradicated from any treatment to do with ME and fibro sufferers because it doesn't work and it exacerbates our condition. Got exacerbated in there, did you say? That's sexy. Love oh that. It's, one of, it's such a sexy word. It is, it's a sexy word. It's one of my favourites from nursing up there with tenismus, which is the sensation of an even a poo. But anyway, carry on. Oh, lovely. I know. <laughs> and he said, uh, who are you? Are you a nurse? I went, no, I'm a fellow sufferer. Um, and then they said, well, can you sit down? This isn't your tribunal. I went, we're done here, Jay. I said, you're not going to get anywhere. And so I said, you all disgust me. And then we were, we were asked to be <laughs> taken out of the court. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, but that is just ridiculous. So I put a complaint in for him because I could write at the time and yeah. I put a complaint in for him and he got it. Oh. He got his payment in the end because they realised that they were biased. They were judgmental, exceptionally rude. And that is what people are getting exposed to. They're, but they're having to prove that they're not very well. What the hell is wrong with that picture? Something has to change. But there's some brilliant MPs, especially one Sonia up in... Um, Sonia Chowdhury up in Glasgow and she's a massive massive ambassador for us and she's doing lots of things in parliament so watch this space hopefully we'll get recognized and get more care beautiful you know an ME center would be perfect yeah because the, the thing that I've I've noticed in the book is is that there's so many people who have written messages and said like I can't I totally understand it I belong with you. I know I belong now because I'm feeling what you're feeling I've got these conditions I've got these symptoms I've got these thought processes and even just to sit with people not and be miserable <laughs> just to sit and have a laugh and go oh my god how are you yeah. oh yeah yeah constipated today yeah I was totally sick yesterday <laughs> about it you know even to just have an and if I was well enough oh my god I would so open a spiritual well-being crossed with chronic illness center for people to visit and get healing and yeah. acupuncture and god knows what oh god if i could do that but i can't commit at the moment because i've still got this condition but yeah it would be a dream that we get looked after and recognized and respected for what we have to cope with you know yeah. and lots of people hide it because they just feel they are hypercontract and that's so unfair it's not good no, there's so many symptoms. Again, go back to my classic market research. Um, there were so many it. things. <laughs> and I I've got some here and it's like, some of it's just like random. One person have it, like a throbbing collarbone, tingling all over, extreme fatigue, insomnia, fibro fog, slurred speech, shaking, feeling cold, dry mouth, thirsty. It's just yeah. everything that you can feel like, oh, I've just got a bit of an ongoing cold. Do you know what I mean? There's so much yes. out there. And they yeah, do just think like I'm run down because you know, I'm looking after four kids. Exactly. And they've actually got this condition. Because at the moment, because, you know, that's why they call it the invisible illness. Because as you've known, I'm drinking a lot more. I've got dry, dry mouth today yeah. and a bit sore throat. And obviously it's quite weak. I've got, yay, look at that. You're the orange man, Pinky. <laughs> and <Got> gin, really. <laughs> 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 and um, 
I've got the left-hand side of all my ribs are screaming at the moment. My bottom left hip is. My ankles are swollen. My toes are hurting. It's random places. Yeah. If I touch my hair up here, the follicles hurt. My scalp is hurting. And you get spots in your scalp that it feels like you just had a hammer, bang it once. It's so tender. I don't know what that is. But you don't go on about it. And this is the thing, people don't see what is going on inside because, you know, one, you don't want to whinge about it and go on about it. And two, nobody wants to hear it all the time, do they? So there's a certain extent where you do not say anything, but there's a time and place where you have to. I am suffering. I've got no quality of life. I'm dragging myself around trying to look after my kids. I need help. And when I eventually did that, when they pushed me again, I ended up having the best care team from Dartmouth come and look after me I had someone that come and did um like a therapy session psychotherapy session every week to see how I was going in my home and then they said whatever you want cutting the grass cooking dinner we'll come and do it and it was just incredible so there is help out there find out what help is out there in your area and bloody grab it because the other (laughs) problem is you know it affects young women and yeah. the problem with that is they think, oh, God, I feel really embarrassed because I'm young, you know. And it's like, no, own it. Because, you know, I have a gardener come. And he goes, oh, you know, I'll do this and do that. I said, I can't do it. It's not that I won't. I can't. Yeah. So I have a cleaner because I can't do it because that will put me in bed for two days. So people think I'm being all precious because <laughs> <laughs> you're young and you look well. But, you know, if I did the cleaning, that would be me in bed for a couple of days. So, no, have a cleaner, darling. Love it. Have a gardener. Yeah. It's only a small little garden. But I can't do it. It's as simple as that. I know that that'll be my spoons gone for the day. Yeah. And now as I'm talking, I'm getting a throbbing, sharp needle pain going through here. But again, you don't tell people. And it's okay. It's okay. So I go, oh, and rather than go, for God's sake, why am I here? I go, oh, I can't acknowledge that. That's fine. I'll put some lavender oil on in a minute. That's fine. And you've just got to love yourself no matter how ill you are. It's the yeah. most important thing. Most important thing. Bless you. Listen to all this because I really hope it isn't Emmy. <laughs> Bloody long COVID. Where did they drag that from? Well, I don't know. Apparently when I felt thought I had COVID, they said I wasn't COVID enough or not interesting enough. It was just sort of like, I said, should I do a yeah, test? Boring. Yeah, yeah, it's just sort of like, oh God, those ex-nurses are the worst, darling. God, put yourself I together. I think Lynette's right. Lynette, you're right. I think she's so got So don't encourage mother. Don't mind. encourage mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bless you, we've had such a laugh today, but I just want to bring the tone down <laughs> and share a part from your book. <laughs> What's that what I'm here for? Oh, I didn't even know. Oh. So you wrote in it, because I thought we've had so much laughter, but this part in your book was about living with chronic illness. And I was just like, wow. So you've put my soul, body, mind and spirit were slowly dying. And my God, did I welcome death every single day. And bless you, at one point in the book, you scheduled a suicide date for six months ahead if you did not get any better. So I just want people to say, like, you know, whilst you're here laughing and having a jolly old time and diagnosing Shelley, um, (laughs) that whilst we are laughing, you truly have been there through the journey. You're still on that journey of living with chronic illness. You know, that is, isn't it? Like, you've got, I do what you do. I've got five spoons to get through the day. But with that last bit of energy, 
do ask for help and if you're not heard just keep asking and asking if you, you really have to have because then. you know it isn't going anywhere this is a brutal fact you've got an incurable condition and you've got to try and manage it and I couldn't to begin with and a lot of people again you know I did what I didn't want to do was in the book is say oh I've, I've sussed it I've sussed it you know because they, they used to really cheese me off like people yeah. used to send me books go read this I have found the cure for it no you haven't <laughs> and then you know you haven't you're talking a load of pants and then the other one is is um oh do this and they were just so and I'm not disrespecting other people's books but I am a bit but they were so <laughs> hard reading they were hard work, you know, geographical, geographical stress, mercury poisoning. And you've got to do this, you've got to go and have your teeth out and God knows what. And I'm like, this is just too much. And if I'd had, and I'm not saying this because it's my book, those buggers stopped me from committing suicide, right? But now I'm going to go and kill them in a minute. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> so, so professional, I'm so professional. So, um, it's just a dog cheering mum on, on. It's all right. Go, mum. Nightmare. So it's because what happens is they sit at the window and they love barking at people going past, the dog walkers. So, um, oh my God, I've lost my thread now. So the suicide thing, what was I saying? Other people's books are crap, yeah. love. That was the general theme. It's not, it's not, it's <laughs> not going anywhere, so you have to do it. <laughs> yeah, so they were saying, oh, you know, it's all right for you, you're, you're okay. No, I'm not. I've, I'm just surrendered accepted and love myself with the condition i've got and i expect everybody to love me walks and all that around me my partner is just so amazingly supportive i think he's got it as well he, he's in denial <laughs> but he has anyway so and the only escape that i could possibly imagine and dream and fantasize about was suicide and being dead that was my only escape i do not want anybody else to be in that situation yeah. that's why i'm so desperate for this to get out to everybody because i've had so many people say i'm going to do it i'm going to kill myself i'm done there i've got no job i've got no wife i've got my children have been taken away um i've had a breakdown i'm depressed i can't work i'm losing everything and i'm like i know been there yeah. but to try and get them to trust the process and the universe has a whole new kettle of fish and yes I did I used to relish in me and it was there right next to me on the bedside cabinet a whole bottle of Oromorph and I thought that will do me I just got to glug it down and I actually haven't shared it yet it's a bit emotional I haven't shared it yet but there's a photograph I will share where I literally, first I'd planned the 21st, which was the day that Mina had died, my dog. I planned that, but then things changed because of the turkey holiday. Mm -hmm. So that was my friend Dawn and um, Jamie. So that kind of changed my mindset. But then when I got to the cemetery, that was it. That was my all time low. And the only thing that stopped me from glugging it down, and I literally had it in my hand, was that my two dogs suddenly come up on my chest and were looking at me. And I actually ended up taking a photo of it because they stayed there forever. And I thought, how could I possibly allow myself to be found dead? Because I wasn't seeing anybody apart from the postman. Like, you know, weeks later, and I'd seen that in the police, know what it's like, with two dogs crying by my yeah. side. I thought, I can't do it. So they were the only thing which really did stop me from actually doing it because I saw no other way out. I saw no way out. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we have had a laugh about it, but it was the most terrific mental, spiritual and emotional situation I've ever been in. And I don't want any, anybody to feel that, but there will be people like it. Yeah, absolutely. Why I just want to spread this everywhere because I don't think there's another book like it because it's so warts and all and it's really raw. I've literally mm. written 
I bared my soul. And the reason I did that was because I wanted to show people how badly mucked up I was and how far I've come. Yeah. It's not worth saying, oh yeah, I was spiritual medium, you know, everything was great. I needed to show you that my, I not only had this condition, I had all these demons yeah. and the way I used to behave. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not ever going to hate myself for it because that was what, you know, there was a reason that I was who I was and I still embrace that. But to now be in a place where I don't have stress or worry and I know that whatever I deserve will come to me for the greater good that's what a place to be in i'm yeah. in a house that's paid for i live yeah. across the beach i ordered this i ordered just my little bungalow so i could get to the kitchen if i shuffled i could get to the toilet get to my bedroom i didn't order those bloody dogs <laughs> um, <laughs> in their heads off. I'm so i love sorry. that and the dogs my chest and they saved me gonna kill him um and my little garden and i'm just i've, I've just I've, you know and i ordered it and it's all paid for I don't ask me how I, I just don't know how i've got to this space but i do really what i did was is every time i was pushed or told to do something i did it yeah. should i go and tell them to shut up no bless you i love it personally i don't I just, <laughs> they're doing it because they know the door's shut <laughs> I open it. shut up <laughs> Oh, I reckon it's got to be the most authentic episode yet. Yeah, I love it personally. <laughs> Bless you. So I think today, like we're going to bring it all to a close, it would be, wouldn't it, just, just be her, just keep fighting. She's that last bit of energy, just like ask for help, you know. Definitely. You've do got to ask about the low dose. Nail exactly. Stop, so. Ask about LDN. You'll be told no. So what, ask again. What the, what the LDN, LDN organisation suggests is that you actually print it off and take it to oh, them. Lovely. I remember one I remember one doctor said, I'd like my LDN, please. He goes, well, it's like heroin. It's just an opiate drug. I said, no, it's not. I said, you need to learn a bit more about it if you want yeah. to give your opinion to me. Honestly, I'm like a bloody barrister when I go in the doctor's <laughs> I don't have to. My doctors here are amazing. Absolutely yeah. amazing. They deal with me within the day. Um, and that's because I own it. I've got chronic illness. I'm not putting up with this. I will be bed bound. Give me medicine. Sort this out. And they do it. Yeah. So yes, it's owning it. But as I say, and I keep going back to it, the one thing I've learned in this process is if you do not love yourself, you won't get anything done. Yeah. You've got to believe you deserve it. No matter how weak you are, no matter how you feel, if you love yourself and honour what you need, not what everybody else needs of you, yeah. not what you have to do to keep people happy, if you own it yourself and think, right, I deserve this, I need to fight for this, then you go for it. If you think, oh, no, I've got to worry about him and her and what will they yeah. say and what they'll do. No, you know, there's people forcing themselves to go to work, and I get it because they're worried about their mortgage, but you know what? best thing I ever did was just let go and let it all just disappear. Even though I was homeless for eight months, I don't care. Because I knew when all of the spiritual boot camps died, I knew that I was going to be looked after and there'll be a fairy tale ending. And my God, I'm in the fairy tale ending now. Yes, I've got a condition, but you know, I could have, I don't know, I could have cancer, I could have psoriasis, I could have diabetes. I've just got this. So by owning it and saying to people, no, I'm tired. You know, I used to be scared of telling friends I didn't want to go to lunch. I dragged myself through it because I was upset that they, you know, would get me up. Now I go, no, I'm not tired. If you want to come around here for a cup of tea and watch a movie, fine. But I'm not going out. <laughs> you know, and I don't do it nastily. I'm just owning it out of my yeah. own self-love for my own condition. And that's what I want to reach people with. And it's all mind. You can't change your physical body, but you can change that. You can change your mind and your mindset and turn a negative into a positive every time some negative comes in you've smashed it it's so easy 
it's so easy i love it i think yes i'm tired today i'm so box setting it i'm gonna get (laughs) about galaxy counters so i think i'm gonna have five of them i'm not gonna have too many have a herbal (laughs) tea put my feet up and own it yes yes i'm tired today darling fun box setting it bye (laughs) rather than oh my god why am i so ill i can't do anything yeah get rid of that You've got it, get over it, accept it, adapt, move on and own it. That's the way to do it. Yeah, what Nikki said, we're going to, (laughs) yeah. Bless you, thank you so much for joining us, Deb. Absolutely loved it. I love sharing like random words with, you know, fellow brain foggers. So thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please make sure you subscribe and leave a positive review. If you would like to create your own positive changes, you can buy Positive Changes, a self-kick book from all online book retailers or from shellyfknight.com. If you need a dollop of positivity until the next episode, come like and follow us over on Facebook at Shelley F. Knight, Life Goes On. As always, I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing.